Titus. Now, in Titus 1.15, I'm just going to read a verse from the New King James Version. Can everyone say that? New King James Version. New King James. And so it says this, To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. And so I love it at the start, to the pure, all things are pure. Who's ever heard that before in church life? I've heard that, to the pure, all things are pure. And I want to talk about this today. And so can everyone say sanctification? Sanctification. Who knows what sanctification means? Can you, can you, could any of you give me a clear answer of what they think sanctification is? Good. No one does. So I'm going to share what sanctification means. <laughs> Carlos is searing sanctification. Hopefully by the end of this, you will know what sanctification means. So if someone says to Mariah, what is sanctification? You can go, well, I've done Bible college, but I go to youth and they taught me. So that is what we're going to do. So um, Mariah's got some Bibles at her feet. So put your hand up if you want her to pass your Bible and go into 1 Samuel 24. Where are you going to? 1 Samuel 24. So can everyone say gravy and mash? Gravy and mash. Who remembers my first message about gravy and mash? So I'm doing gravy and mash the second. All right, so we're doing a part two on gravy and mash. So gravy and the mash is second if you're taking notes. So what makes gravy and mash good? So if you look in your Bibles, 1 Samuel 24. Consistency. Oh, wow. Cameron is onto it. So basically, to, uh, if we didn't know, we have to ask the question, well, what makes mash or gravy bad? And it's when it's got lumps in it. Who's ever had lumpy mash or lumpy gravy? And you know that it's not good. When I first... Like, I'm still not perfect that I get it every second shot, I get a good gravy. But sometimes it's actually pretty hard not to get little lumps, little little marbles, whatever, I don't know what you would call them, but you get those little lumps in your gravy, like, that is not good. But when you have the gravy that is consistent, pure, and just all lovely, you know that you've got a good gravy, a good mashed potato. And so it's smooth, no lumps, makes a good mash, good gravy. And it's consistency, and we want to be consistent in our lives. And that's what we talked about in part one of mash and gravy. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and we're going to let God speak to us. Is that cool? God, we just thank you that you want to speak to our lives, that we can have purity in our hearts, that to be pure, we'll be pure. And we just thank you that just like mash and gravy can help us know things of life, that you can use that kind of illustration like that to help us know what sanctification means. And everyone said, amen. So I'll just quickly debrief a little bit more on my first time about mash and gravy. And so we looked at a verse in Psalms 119, 29 that says this, keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instruction. God's instruction is the Bible. So when we know the Bible, when we know the Word of God, not just know of it, when we know it and it speaks to us, we'll stop lying to ourselves. And uh, and the reason why we're talking about because we can easily deceive ourselves. Who knows what I'm talking about? And who's heard the saying, it won't happen to me? We, we think, oh, we'll tell someone else, oh, Cameron, it's not wise to do this. Oh, Liana, it, that's not a very smart decision to be doing that. And we could tell someone else, but put us in that position. We deceive ourselves and go, no, it won't happen to me. But everyone else would say, we wouldn't do that. And so when we know the Word of God, it helps us. Because people, you often hear preachers talk about the Bible is a book that reads us. So we think, no, we read it. But often the Bible reads us because it can say, hey, Liana, it gives you a conviction. Hey, uh, Claire, gives you a conviction. You know what? I'm lying to myself here. And I'm going to have consistency and not lie to myself. So that's what we talked about. And this is what consistency means or consistent. A quality level of performance which does not vary greatly in quality over time or unchanging in nature, standard, or effect over time. And so basically, when we're having a consistent life, it's a high-quality level over a long period of time. And that's how we want to be as Christians, as followers of Jesus. We want to have the same life everywhere we go. Who's heard the character quote? Who knows what that is? This is it. Your character is who you are when no one is watching. Can everyone say that? 
Character is who you are when no one is watching. So what we, when we have a consistent life, we're saying that what I do in my bedroom when the door's shut, what I think about, what I look on YouTube, Facebook, Google, whatever it is, I, if, do I do that in public? If I am, that's consistent. And so we want to be making sure that there's no inconsistencies in our life and we want to have our character to be who we are when no one's watching to be the same as when everyone's watching. That's consistency. But, uh, and so another word for consistent gravy or mash is purity. We want a pure gravy, right? Or another word could be it's holy and another word for that is set apart. And so uh, I'm going to read you a Bible verse from Genesis 1, 3 to 4 in the JPS, Joshua Phillips and Dostefano, aka me, paraphrase. And it says this, God said, and so in Genesis 1, 3 to 4, in the Joshua Sandosfano paraphrase, God said, let there be light, and it was lit. Can everyone say lit? And God saw the light and, uh, and saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. And, uh, and so we see there in the beginning of the world when God created everything, he separated the light from the darkness, which means he was separating, because he saw the light was good, he was actually separating what was bad from what was good. That makes sense? And so we believe that... Uh, God can separate the bad from the good in our lives. Just like you can have, uh, and so he separates lumps from mash or gravy in kind of sense, which is sanctification. And so that's what sanctification is. It's removing the lumps as such from the good gravy mashed potato. So back to what we started with in Titus 1.15. It says, to, to the pure, all things are pure. But those who are defiled and unbelieving, Nothing is pure, but even their mind and consciences are defiled. Then in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. And that was referring to the power of God. And it says here, Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. Again, talking about the power of God. So it's saying we've got to be mature when we know the power of God. We've got to know the power of God in our lives and be very knowledgeable in that. But at the same time, we've got to be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, when it comes to wrong, when it comes to sin. We've got to be uh, innocent as babies. You know, we, we're not fully knowledgeable about that because we're pure and we don't touch those things. Everyone understand what I'm saying? And so uh, the ACC doctrine bo- doctrinal bi- basis for us, of this is what sanctification means technically as our movement. It says this, we believe that sanctification is an act of separation from which is evil and of uh, dedication unto God. We believe it is a glorious provision for every believer in Christ to be made pure in heart and wholly sanctified through the operation of the Holy Spirit by the blood of Jesus and the word of God. So what we're saying now, we believe by the, what Jesus did at the cross when he shed his blood for us, is he gave us the ability to be set apart, to be separated from our evil and be made pure in him. And so it also, and so the other thing is, is the word of God. And as we talked about at the start from the last message about the, the word of God will keep us flying from ourselves. When we read the Bible and when we get into that, that also helps us sanctify ourselves and separate with God what was evil. Because you don't know we're going to live a life which is good. Hopefully, is that making sense to people? And so basically, who knows what baptism is? Baptism is sanctification. That's what, we, that's what we believe. And so we believe water baptism is single immersion, so fully dunked in the water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and is enjoyed on all who have repented and have believed in Christ as Savior and Lord. And that is, a sim, is symbolic of our, our identification with Christ in his death, burial and resurrection. And so basically with sanctification, we're saying God separate our evil to your, for good. And when we go into the baptism of waters and we go, you know what, we died to our old life, and resurrect into a new life, which is sanctified and pure and holy and all those things. So when we get baptized, we're really being sanctified. 
but not just baptism and sanctification. It's an active life of consistency where we let God speak to us. We let the Word of God speak to us and go, you know what? We choose to stay pure. We choose to stay consistent and not let the evil control our lives. Is that good? So who was at church last week? And Pastor Rob said a deadly message. It wasn't like killing anyone. It was like, good deadly. Uh, you can't be filled when you're full. He said that. Who remembers that? You can't fill what is full. For example, if you got, he said, if you've got sugar in your petrol tank, you can't fill that with petrol because it's full of sugar. And so what he was saying is you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the power of God, if you're filled with everything else in your life. How do you expect God to fill your, your devotional time if you're playing Fortnite all the time? How do you expect God to fill your devotional life if you're um, like streaming stuff on Netflix 24-7? You've got to go, you know what, no, I've got to remove a bit of Netflix and put a bit of God in my life. Yeah, and so we've got to do that. Um, and so what he was saying is you've got to be sanctified so the power of God can come through. You've got to separate those evil things and go, you know what, no, we're going to commit time to God. And so that's what he was talking about. And then in Ecclesiastes 10.1, it says it's as dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink. So little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. And so as fragrant as perfume is, flies can cause it to stink. Little flies. And so as a good mash and gravy can be the best gravy ever, you put a few little lumps in it, it wrecks it completely. Who knows what I'm talking about? Same with mash, you could have the most creamiest, like caramel specified mashed potato you ever see. You put a few lumps of mashed potato in that, wrecked straight away and it's the same for our lives and same with the just like a few little dead flies and perfume can wreck it a few little bits of foolishness in our lives can wreck our lives a few bits of evil a few bits of sin is enough you can have the best reputation you could be you can be prime minister you do something so little and stupid that can cause you lose all your credibility and so we've got to go god we don't want to get our credibility lost from making a stupid little decision Help us not have a stink moment, but help us go sanctify those evil motives, those evil thoughts, so that we can have pure, holy ones. And so uh, in Exodus 23, 2, it says this, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. And so who's ever had wanted to do something, wanted to go somewhere, and your parents said, no? Who's ever had that? No. And then our response generally is, but everyone's doing it. Mom, can I stay up till 8 o'clock? No. But everybody's doing it. Who's had that conversation? Mum, can I please play Fortnite? Everyone is doing it. Can I go down the street to do this? No. But everyone's doing it. Now, am I the only one who's had those situations? Everyone, Leanna doesn't have any friends, apparently, because she doesn't agree. But I've noticed it quite often that there's this thing where you go, everyone's doing it. And I have a bit of a saying called sin justification. Can everyone say sin? And say justification. And so what... That means, so if you look in the Bible, who know, who's heard of Adam and Eve? You've got those guys in Genesis. And so basically Eve, first of all, Saint says to Eve, here, eat this fruit. He, she wasn't meant to do it. And then she goes, okay, well, I did it. And she goes, how can I justify make it like I'm in the right? She goes, hey, Adam, eat this fruit. He takes a bite. And then by her giving it to Adam, she justified herself. And so, so often in life, people know that they're doing wrong, but if everyone else is doing it, or if you get everyone else to do it, it makes you feel justified because everyone else is in the same wrong position. But as it says there in Exodus, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. If you know it's wrong, you've got to have the go, you know what, no, I'm not going to sin justify this because everyone else is doing it. I know what is right and wrong, and I'm going to choose to do right because to the pure, all things are pure. And so, uh, uh, if it's, so our sin is not okay. And so... Uh, 
uh, then in 2 Corinthians 11, 14, it says this, even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. And so there's so many things in our life, in our society at the moment, especially where it, you might go, oh, that's the right thing. Oh, that's a good motive. That's a good pleasure. But we've got to go, no, the word of God says it's not. And just because it seems good, because that the devil makes things that are evil seem good. He makes things that seem like, oh, this is, that's such a good motive. But really it's rooted in evil and not good. And we've got to go, no, we're going to be people that see what is good and not uh, get tricked by the devil being an angel of light. Like, oh, how holy, how pure, oh, how awesome is this? When really it's not. And we've got to go, God, help us not get distracted by those things. And so finally, we're going to go to Samuel 24. Everyone there? Samuel 24. We're going to read it. So who's heard of a guy called King Saul? Yep. And who's heard of the guy called David? So basically, David's out yonder in the back of a cave somewhere, and Saul's after him to kill him. All right? Let's read. 1 Samuel 24, 1, and we're going to do it, go to about verse 13, 14. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went searching for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At that place where the road passed some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. He went to the toilet. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Now the, now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Sorry, I'll read that again. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into uh, I will certainly put your enemy into your power. Do with him as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began to bother uh, began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, "The Lord forbid that I should do this to the to uh, my lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him." So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, "My lord the king!" And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, "Why do you listen to the uh, Why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day, you can see." With your own eyes, it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It's a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you. Even though you have been hunting me, uh, hunting me, hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do uh, to me, but I will never harm you. As the old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. Can everyone say evil people? Evil deeds. So from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Oh, that was a bit of reading. Got my throat scratching like a Coke does. So as it said there in 1 Samuel 24, 13, as the old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds, so you can be sure I will never harm you. David is saying, I am pure, because from uh, the, uh, to the pure, all things seem pure. I am pure, and uh, purity will come from my life, and I respect my leaders, even if they are in the wrong. 
And so we've got to have an attitude in our lives. We go, you know what? He is meaning evil against me. Or I'll do evil back. No, but we've got to go, no, no, no. We, from the pure, all things are pure. We do not let evil choose our evil. We let evil choose our purity. And he had the, he had the connection to God where rather than lying to himself, he had the conviction boiling within him going, you know what? I have done the wrong thing by even cutting this robe. I will repent and say, no, I, I forgive me. And we've got to have that same attitude. We go, God, help us be like David and not be someone that gets consumed by the, the, the thing of revenge. And everyone's telling me to do it. Oh, everyone's saying, kill him. Yep, this is your chance. But he says, no, no, I will have purity of motive. And therefore, I respect my leaders. And I'm not going to let someone let me kill them. And so who's ever, who knows what a strainer is or a colander? Who knows what those things are? Like a colander, you put the pasta in it, water comes down, or a strainer. Like for me, this is, this is nothing to brag about. As a kid, I used to love the strawberry yogurt, but I didn't like the bits of strawberry in it. And so we'd get a strainer, put the yogurt in it, and let the yogurt come out and leave the strawberry bits on top. Not a brag, but I believe God can do that in our life. We can put our life into his strainer of sanctification where we go, you know what? God, leave my, my bits on the top and let the delicious strawberry-flavored, not strawberry yogurt, remain. And so, uh, and so things in our life, I think we need to strain. It's things like our jokes. For example, and you'll hear me say this so many times in youth, Ephesians 5.4, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Colossians 3.8, but now is the time to get rid of all dirty language. And so we've got to have a purity in our jokes. And so to the pure, all things are pure. We should be in a situation where people tell a joke and we not understand the dirty connotations for it. That's a sign of maturity. Now, you might get people telling you, oh, Pete, you're living under a rock, as if you don't get that. Oh, Leanne, you're living under a rock. But this is, that's where we go, you know, no, no, I don't live under a rock. I live on the rock. Who gets that? We don't live under a rock. No, because we're living on the rock of Jesus, which says, no, we have a purity life. We have a life of consistency. And so we're not actually hidden by things. No, no, we've we're on top of things because we've got the foundation that helps us not let those things cloud our minds. And so another thing is gossip. We should be the people that are last to hear, last to know, and last to tell. And so there's nothing worse than being the person that the gossip always goes to. Oh, Carmel, did you hear about what Josh did on youth? Oh, Sean. No, we go, you know what? No, no. We, we are pure. And, to, and so we, hear, we may hear a gossip, but we just go, oh, oh, well, whatever. And we, we leave it there. When we're the last to hear, last to know, and last to tell. And so we've got to be people that don't gossip and don't let those things control our lives. Because we want to be consistent. We want to be like mashed potato and gravy and have purity. And is that, who, does that all that make sense? So I'm going to quickly pray us out. And that was good under 20 minutes. Awesome. God, we just thank you that you've spoken to us tonight. God, may we be mashed potato and gravy lives where we have no lumps or good mashed potato and gravy, no lumps, no impurities, and God, we want to be pure, because to the pure, all things are pure, God, and we want, to, we want to be able to live a life that is different, that we don't have to listen to dirty jokes, we can have fun in a pure way, in an enjoyable way, we don't have to live under the rock, but we can live on top of the rock, Jesus, that you set, your foundations, your principles, and we believe, God, that you have the power of Jesus, Holy Spirit, to work within us, to convict us, when the crowd is telling us the wrong thing, we go, no, 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 we're not going to follow the crowd doing wrong, because we're not going to let evil deeds follow our lives, because we're evil, but we're going to have pure, and purity is going to follow us, and everyone said, amen.